Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly, along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, we're going to look at creator's perspective on fun and recreation. Um, you would think that if a loving God would probably want us to have some fun, Carl. Yes, that would not surprise me. But there's issues with everything that humans touch, as it seems. So even things that are meant to be enjoyable and lighthearted will reflect the culture and they'll reflect individual characteristics and makeup. And to the extent we have some corruption from darkness, it can creep into things that normally you think of as benign. And so these, these in a way, are a kind of a signpost, sort of a diagnostic indicator of how we're doing. You know, how we play is also important to study, just like how we work yes, or how we do anything of great importance. And as, as usual, we've, we've, I've read the responses ahead of time, and I have to tell the audience there's some really good stuff ahead, so stay tuned. You ask creator, there's an old English proverb all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. What is Creator's perspective on this popular proverb? All right, and this is what I channeled from Creator, Creator's words. This indeed is a truism. Life is meant to be enjoyed. It is not meant to be drudgery. Even in service to a higher good, to have joy in the equation always means that serving the self must be a component of one's day. Doing anything for too long a time, especially with intensity and extreme focus of attention, can be grueling and draining and will eventually deplete the reservoir of energy that any human can command. The entire rhythm of life in the physical is governed by human limitation taking into account the fulfillment of inner drives for all manner of things, was designed to be pleasurable. This is why the need for fuel experienced as having hunger creates an opportunity for extreme enjoyment from the pleasures of eating. Similarly, the need for water leads to the thirst, and the quenching of thirst is one of the greatest pleasures to be experienced. Need we bring up lust and its joys as a further example of physical imperatives that give rise to great joy if one does the right things to bring out the maximum of potential benefit. Even in the physical workings of the body that provide all manner of capability for doing useful work through the muscles and nerves, the coordination and the skeletal system to provide support and create an inner framework to leverage against, to lift great weights and travel long distances on one's own and so forth. Even standing for extended periods of time while attending to productive duties requires a great deal of energy investment and stamina. But even the workings of the body can be enjoyable, starting a fresh day, stretching the muscles, perhaps taking a brisk walk. Simple acts like this can bring great pleasure and many delights, especially when connecting to nature is part of the experience. 
This is all because it is how you were constructed to enjoy and appreciate what you have, what you are made of, your very makeup and its workings. It suits you and this is all purposeful. The very experiencing of contrast provides variety and can be a stimulus to creativity. Humans were created to be ever-changing, to be in motion, to be a work in progress, but progress being the key here. Not to stagnate or experience boredom through a lack of variety and having a sameness that can be stultifying and quite limiting in the end because it is constrained by definition to limit one's reach. And when nothing is being learned and a person is not growing in some way, And using creativity to devise new strategies, new goals for the self, and to work at refining how you navigate in the course of your life to get the most out of the experience. This is why with a little ingenuity, people usually find that even the mundane routines of life can be made enjoyable by adding a little variety, even in small ways. This is asserting the self and honoring the soul in seeking some pleasure to offset the drudgery. And this is good practice as well, because much of life as a physical human will be devoted to making the life experience better in some way, more enjoyable, more rewarding, more uplifting, and more in divine alignment, which is a reach for joy. And that will not happen from a place of minimization and lack and sameness where possibilities are restricted severely. That is much like being in prison, which is a soul-deadening environment, to be sure, because of the lack of variety and the lack of possibilities for new adventures and unrestricted growth and learning as a springboard to stimulate and excite the being. So we would say that play is an invaluable companion as you live your life, because there is a need for balance, given that most work is not of one's choosing, but done at the behest of others to pay, for pay, simply to adapt to circumstances and have money to live on, and some financial wherewithal to provide for oneself with regard to necessities of life, like food, clothing, and shelter. But as most people experience, it is when they are at play, they truly come alive. The experiencing of this contrast is universal in looking at school children when the bell rings and it is the end of the school day and they explode with joy, racing to escape the classroom and to go bounding outdoors, enjoying their freedom and filled with excitement and expectation about the possibility of new adventures they can create through their own ingenuity. This is a deeper truism in this saying that most work makes people dull. It is stultifying, soul-deadening, and a limitation on personal growth in many respects at many levels. There is nothing sadder than living one's life as a wage slave and never experiencing love and joy from human companionship, the workings of love in both giving and receiving. Most would categorize expressions of love as a form of play rather than work, And this is the shining example of why life without play is not worth living. If you are not playing, at least some of the time, you are denying your soul room to breathe 
and selling yourself short with a kind of self-imposed restriction that becomes a punishment if maintained for too long a time and will take a toll and leave damage in its wake. You were created and meant to live with joy in a state of bliss. The demands and hardships of physical existence are teaching you other lessons about the possibility of negativity creeping in and becoming quite a challenge indeed, not to mention the problem of evil that has overtaken your realm and stands squarely in your way. That is a lot to reckon with, but even doing lofty work on behalf of the divine and the human family as a whole is not meant to be the only pursuit as some balance is required to keep you in the most functional mode where you are honed and sharpened by the contrasts of life experience, learning many new things and growing in the process, taking time out to revel in your accomplishments, to turn to simple pleasures that give you delight as a kind of fun is reconnecting with who you truly are in a profound way, more than one would think. Light beings are not solemn and somber, but joyous and experiencing much laughter and spontaneity of emotions of all kinds, somewhat akin to the difference between living through one's heart or through one's mind. Well, I could say, whew, it's a good thing that uh, Creator does support us having a good time once in a while, Carl. I, I like that idea. <laughs> Some people well, might I think, think otherwise. Most, yeah, I, I think most people would agree. This, this is not so bad, you know. <laughs> you know the uh, world is what we make of it. That's yes. kind of the bottom line, and we hear over and over, this is our world, you know, we're in charge. Yeah. Scary as that seems. Well, it's not only our world, it's our life, you know, because and all of us are individuals, so we're all going to find pleasure in unique ways that, Somebody might from the outside be looking in on it and say, what? <laughs> you find that fun? I don't think so. But, uh, you know, it's true that people are individuals and, and need to find their own path to pleasure, essentially. So uh, it's, a, it's a good thing, all in all. U.S. creator, the advent of television added a whole new kind of recreation to people's lives, that of passive spectator. It seems obvious that direct participation would be more immersive and richer in almost every way than being a passive spectator. Nevertheless, someone we know has derived great satisfaction from watching car restoration shows. As a youth, he often dreamed of doing this for a living. And now as a man approaching 60, he finds some vicarious fulfillment in watching others living his dream. Can Creator comment? All right, and this is Creator's words. There are both simple and more complex and deeper meanings in the interrelationship between being an experiencer and an observer of life. One cannot be and do everything, but one can learn much from observing the actions of others. This is obvious practical value when even to attempt certain things demands extensive preparation. The shortness of lifespan means people will simply not have the time to become accomplished in many, many areas and will not be able to enjoy the same benefit as someone who has honed and developed their talent and skill level to get the most enjoyment and benefits from that effort. So being an observer and living vicariously through watching motion pictures or a documentary recounting the achievements of others with particular talents, such as art or music, 
or creating things of beauty that have much skill and talent in the doing on display will be a meaningful reward and enjoyment in its own right. Even though the individual with the passion for that particular undertaking never has the personal fulfillment from living that life themselves, it is the next best thing to, in effect, engage in a kind of fantasy in putting themselves in the place of an actor or actress on the screen so they can imagine what it might be like going through the motions, taking on that person's challenges or seeing them rewarded in some way because of their abilities. There is nothing wrong or unhealthy as long as this does not lead to a state of self-criticism or feelings of regret and bitterness. If people come to feel life has passed them by because others are getting ahead and they are not, and so forth. Enjoying things that are appealing, but doing it vicariously through watching the activities of others is a harmless way to reward the self with the next best thing. If this is not done to punish the self with judgment and negative emotions like jealousy or envy. In a sense, one learns by exploring the world to even see the range of possibilities that exist. In a sense, watching a motion picture with a particular life of interest being depicted as a way of, is a way of sampling what is possible and engaging in a kind of dry run, if only on a thought level with some emotion stirred up within. This can be filled, this can be filed away and referenced in the future and used as a basis for planning future incarnations to widen the scope of experience and indulge those prior fantasies by putting them as a higher priority and a life goal to plunge in and engage in a similar lifestyle and goal for personal achievement. This is often experienced by the young who see something as children, adults are doing that resonates. And that is often because they have lived something similar before or witnessed it and made a kind of mental note. I want to do that someday. And that someday might come up in a new lifetime when the circumstances create an opening, an opportunity to move in a direction to satisfy an old desire that might be ancient in actuality and finally bring it into life through direct experience of one's own. Life is about the expansion of possibilities, how you get there and make the decisions and choices is part of the art of living. Looking at the menu is a way of planning your future. And that is the kind of value you get from a vicarious experiencing through observation in such settings as motion pictures or attending a public event of some kind, showing off the accomplishments of others as a kind of example. Well, I, you know, I was really <laughs> blown away by this uh, whole uh, answer. It's, it was Creator always has a way of bringing out much more than I anticipated. So I got to stop anticipating. <laughs> but, you know, the one thing that surprised me in this answer is perhaps the idea that um, somebody would actually get jealous at watching somebody on television, you know, living their dream, you know. And it, it, that appears to be a problem for some people. I look at 
you know, a show like a car restoration show. And I, I just l- love following everything and, you know, seeing the details and all that stuff. And I, I have joy when I see the people on the screen having joy. And it never occurred to me there might be other people that don't have that experience. <laughs> well, it's an interesting perspective because we get a lot of subliminal cues from the collective culture. There is a collective unconscious. All our thoughts go into it. We check in to see kind of what the temperament is of the moment on a regular basis through our subconscious mind. And we don't know consciously we're doing it, but it's sort of like getting a sense of what the weather is like. And and so this is a more specific undertaking to really consciously focus on a possibility of being something different, doing something different outside our normal routine, but something that draws us, that we resonate with. And that is a special capability and a special opportunity not everyone enjoys. I was thinking of this segment, this this show yesterday, I saw on the uh, internet that there's quite a lot of consternation in China about the the 996 uh, paradigm. And what that means is in China, people work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. All work and very little play, if you think about it. I didn't realize it was that bad over there. (laughs) It's that bad. And this is considered a contribution to the welfare of the Chinese glories and the, um, the, the destiny of China and the world and all of it. That's how it's built. But people are kind of like robots and machines that have to do this drudgery in order to help the state. Right. So th- this, that's quite a contrast with what Creator is saying here, I believe. And people are starting to rebel. And I think that it might be some divine inspiration happening to help well, save can, them from that drudgery. That I can certainly understand. I mean, my I have a day job, but it's very highly varied. There's a lot of different activities and tasks. And I'm always you know, pushing myself to improve and that kind of thing. But man, I would go crazy in a, in a heartbeat if I had just a, a simple assembly job that I had to do from, you know, six in the morning till nine at night, six days a week or something. So, yeah, uh, most people I, aren't cut out for that. No. There are the workaholics, and it might be that they're doing something they love, and it's a passion, and they really get pleasure from it, and it's not work. But there are others who do it out of fear. So, in a sense, it satisfies a need of theirs, but it doesn't fit everybody. No, I'm fear. Drone. You know, you, you, there's other ways of living. Yeah, and, and the thing about fear as a motivator is that um, I think it, like anything, it eventually wears off. You know, if you do it long enough, um, that that that'll stop acting as a motivating factor. You know, um, so it's it's something that's long term problematic for sure. Uh, not a way to <laughs> not a way to run a world, I think, but. Uh, it does create a lot of suffering. We know there's interlopers out there that like to see that. So, and it's not too surprising that it's set up that way. Well, we're there are downsides to everything, and that's the way to kind of think about every experience. We need to look at the big picture first, and then go from there. Yes, absolutely. 
You can check out the big picture with getwisdom.com. Uh, we have all kinds of information we've been gathering for from Creator and from uh, light beings and the light uh, for a number of years now. You can see all kinds of videos. Uh, you can see our Divine Wisdom database, which has over five is over 6,000 questions now. I'm not sure. <laughs> I lost track. But uh, check out getwisdom.com. Our, part, our um, participant membership is eternally free. Uh, and you get access to about 90% of the content that's on the site, and you could be busy for quite some time. And there's a lot of good stuff, just like you're hearing on this show, is available for you to peruse at your leisure on getwisdom.com. So join today. We'll be back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back to the second segment this week's Get Wisdom. We're looking at Creator's perspective on fun and recreation, something that is important to all of us, I think, or at least most of us anyway, and uh, something we, we try to maximize as much as we can in our lives. I know I do, Carol. Well, everyone has a different uh, take on this and a different circumstance. I work seven days a week myself, but it's through passion. It's because I know there's serious problems facing us and challenging us and there's no time to waste so that's my perspective but even I take time out here and there as I can during the day with a meal break or whatever and some downtime late evening when I kind of say that's it I can't do anymore and then I'll <laughs> take an hour and indulge myself with an old movie or something so we this is the way we're made creators telling us so there's nothing wrong with it and it's invigorating and enjoyable when you can serve every part of yourself, not just the worker bee. Absolutely. Well, I think the important thing, too, is to try to combine work and play so that your work is play and vice versa, you know. Um, and I, I enjoy my Get Wisdom activities, for instance. I think it's, most of the time it's fun. Sometimes it's a little drudgery, but most of the time it's, it's play in, in my perspective. Even my day job is the same thing in many ways, so. A healthy life is one where I think you can balance uh, effectively work and play. And that's a, that's mm -hmm. not an easy thing to do in this world. Definitely no, it's not. getting harder, I think. 
Yeah. U.S. creator, the vast majority of games, whether tennis or cards, baseball or Monopoly, involves determining winners and losers. What is the divine perspective on contests where there are winners and losers? Is there truly such a thing as friendly competition? And do light beams in the divine realm engage in competitive recreational activities? All right. This is what creator tells us. This creates an interesting study in contrast because your world is quite different than the world of the light being. The whole notion of competition stems from manipulation to believe in power and control as an ultimate attainment. So in that mode of thinking, with power and control is the standard of excellence, becoming better, becoming stronger, more capable, more successful, more accomplished, and having the greatest possible degree of control over one's life as well as the lives of others is the only way to grow and and to gain through one's efforts in a meaningful fashion. We would say all of such notions are faulty. The creation of each individual and their soul represents a kind of perfection. You, in that sense, are equal in being one facet of a gem-like creation consisting of a family of independent beings with a lofty origin and a lofty purpose. Your differences should be exalted, not used as a kind of measure to compare and contrast with others to see who is bigger or better or faster or stronger or quicker or smarter. The very fact you were created to be unique means comparing you strictly to another by any arbitrary standard of measurement is a kind of folly to begin with. It is a given that no two people will be alike. But the idea that one is better than another in the end, if you look dispassionately at such contests, the distinction really has little meaning or value. Is there a practical purpose for running a 100-yard dash faster than anyone else? The only distinction in value from a human perspective is you become better than the other person if you best them at this physical contest. But what does that really mean if you were born with longer legs so your stride is more pronounced, enabling you with the same muscle mass to cover more ground and have an advantage in a foot race? Does that make you better or only different? If you ponder the true meaning of this contrast, you will see the folly in assuming one is better than another. No matter what criteria are applied, there are always things for which any person will best another in some way or perhaps many ways. But that is because of the differences that are designed in. And so to attribute those to the individual as a kind of exalted status is a faulty notion entirely. In a sense, it is the luck of the draw. Certainly, people can refine and hone their skills. They can work on increasing their strength and stamina, as in developing muscles in the body. They can study and become learned, and through diligent application of the mind, develop greater discernment and capabilities to ponder complex ideas and enhance their creativity and so on. But humans are complex, and all are a product of what has come before. No two people have the same starting point. 
So to have them run a race against one another is a quite arbitrary snapshot of circumstances with little true meaning. If you trace their histories back further to where they started their lives and all that happened in between leading up to this hypothetical athletic contest, you will see that you are in the final analysis comparing apples and oranges because the people's backgrounds, histories, and life experience will be quite different and will have a hand in determining the outcome. Drawing meaning from such a contest is totally arbitrary with respect to looking at the bigger picture and law and loses any real significance. In the end, it becomes a shallow exercise in finding a way to look better than someone else so one can feel pride and be flattered in having a title or a trophy their opponent lacks. In the end, the body dies and turns to dust. Of what value then are trophies? We would say what matters is the growth of the soul from the accumulated life experience. That too is subjective and will be highly variable because no two individuals have the same makeup, the same starting point, the same experiences happen to them because the goals vary, the ideals, the intentions and desires. So any idea of competition is a faulty premise and a waste of time and energy. It is done in service to simplistic notions of power and control and therefore non-divine. There are practical benefits in making measurements of such things as skills, strength, energy, agility, coordination, balance, and so forth, if one has a practical utility in mind. We would say that a healthier outlet for such endeavors to hone the self towards perfection would be devoted to having fun as a form of play to see what one can do and delight in that physicality when the skills are apparent and the person is rewarded for their efforts in doing well with a task of some kind, which could indeed be playing a game that is a game rather than a contest. This is the difference between physical humans and the light being. As the light beings play many games, which are tryouts and explorations and experiments for the learning they provide, but not as a means to rank one another and pick winners and losers. The former is divine and uplifting. The latter is limiting and demeaning because it results in the diminishment of some participants because of a narrow set of constraints stemming solely from an arbitrary set of criteria used to judge performance that has little relationship to the real world. Wow, this was another stunner from Creator, this, this answer. is just so much deeper and so much content than I would have anticipated. And I love the contrast between a game and a contest. You know, I had never thought of that before. But boy, that just makes so, so much sense. Well, it, it depends on whether you're a winner or a loser, I guess. You know? yeah. <laughs> Those who are talented on the, the ball field... You know, delight in sports. They think it's wonderful. And those who go through those programs can speak long and heartily about how much it helped them in life and and so on. But the, the ones who didn't thrive in that setting will have the extreme opposite perspective. 
how they were belittled and diminished and humiliated and you know they had to pick us pick teams and gym class and no one ever wanted them and yeah and they were shunned by others because maybe they were scrawny and a weakling and or maybe just a little more timid and shy and not aggressive and assertive and willing to just plunge in and wreak havoc, you know, and True. and be rough and tough and all of that. And, you, and so this this shows that there is a happy medium. Well, it's, it's fighting in the ability and physicality, but not doing it to shame others and over overshadow others. Right. But, you know, it's, creator makes a point here that, that you know, to it's not going to be rewarding you know, the whole notion of competition. And I'm struck by something I know about, you know, Michael Phelps, the uh, Olympic swimming champion that won more gold medals than anybody in Olympic history in that sport, you know. He's actually struggled since uh, since his Olympic days with deep, deep depression. It's a real, real problem for him. And uh, some of that depression stems from a kind of, well, what now, you know, what, what, what mountains do I have in front of me now, you know. So, so accomplishing all of that, it seems to the average person that that would be immensely rewarding. And it probably was, but it didn't last. It was temporal, you know. So creators onto something here with this whole idea that uh, competition is not necessarily the, the ideal, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, the other thing that comes to mind has been re- reflected in movies about um School sports figures, you know, the football heroes, the quarterbacks and the the running backs who make many touchdowns and so on. But when they graduate high school, in a sense, their life is over as they yeah. have come to know it and sort of be, you know, in the limelight. And now what? It doesn't yeah. translate into the real world of adults so readily. I mean, yes, there are professional sports, but that's a very, very high stratosphere of, of extremely small numbers of people who can gain an entree. Yeah. So so there there's something missing in putting all one's hopes and dreams and hope for the future on the moment. Yes, absolutely. In what you're doing because life is change. Indeed. You ask creator, it does seem that competitive sports can be a showcase of divine alignment or lack thereof. What is Creator's perspective on the sore loser versus the gracious and magnanimous winner? Can Creator comment? Creator says, this study, in contrast, is very telling. It is widely recognized and appreciated that a magnanimous winner is the bigger person, the better person, the more desirable person to be around. The person who has the high ground and will garner the greatest respect and appreciation. One can be a gracious and magnanimous loser, and that would be a more thorough set of conditions to ponder. One can appreciate the prowess and skills of another individual that bests them in doing something and appreciate what that represents. To applaud them for their ability and accomplishments is a loving gesture that does not take away from the self, but raises the self up. To become a gracious and magnanimous loser restores a balance and restores a kind of equality that both are worthy. And perhaps the one who's being put on the spot in a kind of competition who does their best takes the risks of competing, knowing they may well lose and be labeled a loser, but yet can stand strong, continue to value themselves and be appreciative and generous 
to the winner who beat them is showing character. So to the extent competitions have any value, it is the opportunity to show how in divine alignment each participant might be. You ask creator, we know the extraterrestrial interlopers are loveless, and we also know they are highly competitive. Is there any friendly competition among them at all, or is all competition at all levels deadly serious for them? Okay, here we go. Life on the wild side. Creator says, for the most part, it is all work and no play in their worlds. And this indeed is because their environments are highly competitive. Being based on exalting power and control is the ultimate achievement and the highest level of attainment. This is quite a dilemma because in the absence of being able to feel or express love, a competitive environment of that kind will devolve into manipulation and treachery and much underhanded and unfair cheating. Because being loveless, people will have no compunction about taking advantage whenever they can to bend or break rules if they can get away with it. Sociopaths who lack a conscience and are heartless are capable of anything. In that kind of environment, they do not wish to ever be seen as weak, and so there will be little desire for any kind of competition as with sporting events. There will only be challenges that have serious consequences in the outcome. A change in status with demotion of a loser or even contests with life and death as the outcome will be much more typical. This is only fitting based on what we have told you, that the idea of competitions to begin with is non-divine, and based on the perception one needs power and control. So besting others in those worlds is of great value and will lead to security in some way or a kind of pleasure from being the winner when the losers are made to suffer and one escapes that fate. Wow, what a fascinating answer. I, I kind of suspected that that was the situation, but uh, boy, Crater just really paints it very plainly. I mean, the, they don't engage in friendly competition because losing is just a detriment to their, no, even if it's a meaningless game, apparently, you know, that, ah. Uh, <laughs> so, well, and, so and this shows us how we came to resemble those worlds because they are running things. Yeah. They promote their perspective. They corrupt us to think like they do, value the things they value. And that's why we're emphasizing physicality in the schools, not to enjoy being a physical human and what that can mean and having fun with games of skill and agility and strength and speed and all of it, but as a preparation for war to get yep. the wrong, get the young ready to serve in the military one day. I mean, this, there's something wrong with this world that is focused in that fashion with the endless yes. competition to weed out the weak and exalt the strong. And, and where is that headed? Yeah, and, and most of the recreational games are competitive in this world, if you think about it, especially yeah. spectator sports in particular, you know. Um, but even, even just sitting down and playing cards is picking winners and losers. So Absolutely. Uh, I was struck by that contrast. Be sure to check us out, to, uh, to check out the Lightworker Healing Protocol, because that is an answer to... Uh, creating balance across the board you know you want more fun and play in your life and you want to be able to balance that accurately with work we need divine help so sometimes 
get things right. And the Lightworker Healing Protocol is one way to bring in that divine help. Uh, you can learn about it at GetWisdom.com slash LHP, GetWisdom.com slash LHP, and also check out how to do empowered prayer, because not all prayer is created equally. And uh, you really need to know this. This is important, important stuff. So get our prayer book, GetWisdom.com slash prayer, GetWisdom.com slash prayer. And uh, we'll be back with more on fun and recreation when we come back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's Get Wisdom. Uh, Carl and I are having a lot of fun talking about Creator's perspective on fun and recreation. At least I am, Carl. Well, this isn't exactly recreation, but uh, it, it's enjoyable spreading deep truths and being an emissary for the light. We all are, in a way, without realizing it. That's why we came down. Yes. We each came down to put a little light in the world. So we're, we're doing our best to dig a little deeper maybe than the average person can do and help us understand better what life is for, what it's about, where it's heading, and how we can do it better. Absolutely. I think the next question is going to reveal some more insights. You ask creator, Americans spend enormous amounts of money, time, and energy in the pursuit of fun and recreation. Instead of going to church, people are going to the lake, to the game, to the cabin, or to the amusement park. How much blank we placed on an overemphasis on the pursuit of recreation for the lack of interest in spiritual ambitions. Okay, and this is what Creator tells us. We see this as a predictable consequence of having lives of routine, with many forms of drudgery and unrewarding drains on one's time, and doing work largely to serve others with little control oneself, and perhaps being compensated, but not truly sharing in the ultimate profits that are created from the enterprise. This is a form of slavery from our perspective because it is inherently unfair, as are many things about your world. Your institutions are heavily corrupted 
to the point where many are illogical and even inimical to your interests and represent a kind of false god in some respects. Religions as well have been corrupted to create much busy work and a misdirection of energy into fruitless exercises that are time-consuming, onerous, and dull, and as such are more a negative distraction and drain on your time and energy than an upliftment or inspiration leading to greater joy and bliss in the end. We would rather see people enjoying themselves and playing especially when out in nature and getting closer to nature in the process because they will be closer to their true origin and makeup through enjoying such experiences than witnessing a dull service they feel disconnected from in a church or synagogue. This is not the fault of the divine, but of the human institutions in question and is typical of your culture because you have lost your way and lack a meaningful ordering of priorities. So we see spiritual ambitions as a process of strengthening, increasing clarity, precision, discernment, and excellence in what one does in life. The very process of enlightenment, if you trace its true meaning and consequences, will be to bring about healing in some way, to bring someone back into divine alignment who has strayed and is suffering lack of something as a consequence. So one is gaining and being rewarded from spiritual growth. So this would be a good time to insert a new truism that all play and no work makes Jack unprepared for life in the physical. That is not because play is unimportant or trivial and ranks far below work as a virtue and a goal, but simply that following one's inner impulses in the physical realm will get you into trouble because you will not fit in if you just want to play hooky and go and have fun. Such a diversion is not a mortal error. Again, the issue is one of needing balance in all things. And that includes the ratio of play versus work. In a physical realm as you live in, there are work imperatives for most in order to survive, let alone learn anything of value and grow. And in fact, the greatest of lessons you are gaining as a physical human are the learning from experiencing negativity. And that can only be done by the doing, by immersing yourself in facing those challenges and feeling the pain at times. The goal of having spiritual ambitions and attainments simply needs to be recognized as something of the highest value for the ultimate gains and successes in life in a true sense of soul progress. Spirituality is fostered as much by experiencing the joys of life and the rewards of love as by work output and productivity. The former are often gained in the context, on the context of sharing good times more than purposeful work, but this is subjective. When one is applying themselves to useful work, that is in alignment with their soul, their interests, and their passions. Work itself can become a source of great joy and a kind of blissful existence in its own right. Doing what one loves is not truly work in that case. There are many with high-powered careers who regard it more as play for them than work. 
This, too, is an object lesson in the value of play in the scheme of things. You know, I was a little surprised by this answer from Creator. It's, it's actually more of an endorsement of, of play than I was anticipating, you know, given the context of the question. Well, worshiping the divine is not the be-all and end-all of existence. If you think about that, you know, as, a, as an activity... What do you really gain out of it? Yeah, that's not you know you're answer. you're essentially immobilized for that span of time, in service, and in awe perhaps, but in subservience to something more lofty, and that leaves you kind of you know leaves you behind, leaves you where you are. Yeah, it doesn't truly raise you up. No, and it's pretty clear that it sounds like creative would much rather you have fun at a lake, you know, because you're commuting with nature, essentially, than uh, sitting there bored in a pew on a Sunday in a, in a building that's not lifting you up that much, you know, so. Well, if, uh, if you play in a productive and healthy way, it can be every bit as much a way of connecting with the divine. Yes, if you're appreciating in the moment that you're with someone you love and you're you're giving loving kindness maybe to your children, you're taking them for some fun in a playground or a park or a walk in the woods or you're walking your pet. And there's there's many ways you can do things that add joy and put some more love into the world. That's doing divine work. Yeah, that's that's spiritual upliftment in its own right, for sure. You ask Creator, can Creator share how empowered prayer work and the Lightworker Healing Protocol can help us live balanced lives where fun and recreation play an important, fulfilling role rather than being a source of distraction and ultimate sidelining of divine objectives? All right, and Creator says, one cannot be a warrior on a constant basis. There must be time for rest and recuperation, and this is true of everyone, no matter what one does as a career or in service to a higher good. No matter how dedicated and passionate you might be in pursuing your life's goals, there always needs to be some time out taken for trivial pursuits and simply time devoted to relaxation. When you can stand down and not have to really accomplish anything, but enjoy yourself in a leisurely activity, taking a hot bath, doing some sunbathing, or simply walking in the outer doors with no other responsibilities or goals in mind than having an outing to enjoy the fresh air and sunshine and feel the breeze on your skin and take in the sights, hopefully some natural beauty, and perhaps have at least brief encounters with others to simply smile or say hello, comment on the weather and so on, but feel a part of the pulse of life. It is rejuvenating and restorative, and to have a balance in those things is the goal of a well-lived life. One cannot attain or maintain a healthy balance when one is troubled, when one is downtrodden, when one is experiencing depths of emotion that are crippling or physical maladies that restrict movement and make one a hostage to a poorly working body that limits life and its enjoyments. This is where prayer and the Lightworker Healing Protocol can come to the rescue to help one restore inner capability, to have a wide array of choices that are practical and doable and not out of the question because a person has become poorly functional and limited in what they're able to handle emotionally or physically or both. 
Those limitations create a kind of wounding of the soul and a negative karmic consequence will ensue from all the suffering this causes. You have a sacred duty to protect yourself from harm, to serve your soul in the highest and best way, and do what keeps you in alignment spiritually, because you will suffer if you fail your sacred duty. There will be a consequence, and it will build over time the more you are out of alignment. The path back can be assisted greatly through partnering with the divine and making deliberate requests including raising your belief quotient in the divine if needed. That will help you greatly to gain the most from prayer work as well as using the Lightworker Healing Protocol that has built-in measures to help you recover and maintain a steadfast belief, both in the divine and in yourself. Those are the true requisites for getting divine assistance, and so are important aspects and healing needs. If things are not right, and there is a shortfall or deficit in your makeup that brought about a limitation in your capability. Attaining any goal worth having will only be enhanced through a divine partnership. When the universe is ever expanding, one can only learn and grow, and one can never attain an ultimate state of existence in any respect, because there will always be room for more, something better, something greater, more complex, more varied, more complete in one respect or many. This is not a failing, then. It is simply the experiencing of greater opportunity. Failure does not exist when living through love, which recognizes there is always more to do, always more to gain, and always more to experience and appreciate through giving and receiving of love as a primary objective. Being in divine alignment and drawing on Creator's love is the path to joy and happiness. Anything in your way is a healing need and a healing opportunity, and you will learn and grow in learning how to heal it, to make things better and guarantee your future will be one of joy and bliss, to help bring about by doing your part in a divine partnership with endless possibilities. Well, we're told we're eternal beings, and uh, apparently there's eternal improvement, eternal experiences to be had. And uh, what we need is to heal, to heal properly, uh, to, to enjoy to the most uh, effect we can. Like we're giving protocols, way to do that, Carl. Well, we make it available. You can have sessions done on your behalf. You can learn how to become a practitioner, use the protocol yourself. You can learn how to empower your prayer to make it truly effective. This information is available at GetWisdom.com. So we hope you'll join us and join the movement to greater awakening, greater enlightenment, and greater healing of all the darkness out there. That is what will save us. There's a lot of work to do, but it doesn't have to be all drudgery either. Keep that in mind. Thanks for joining us this week. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 